sports yak. Oh, One host knows sports. And who's right there? The other doesn't know sports, but somehow they meet in the middle. Corey Mann. Get your big butt out of here. And Indiana Sports Broadcast Hall of Famer. This one will be relived. Chuck Freebie. Forever. Do you like sports? Because we like sports. Let's talk about sports. It's Sports Shack. Sports Shack. It's Sports Shack. Welcome back, film fans, to a brand new episode of Quality Check Podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Daniel Posey, and joining me, as always, across the internet, is Drew Douglas. What was that? I feel like you just confused yourself, too. You didn't know what to say. That <laughs> uh, was my rendition of our podcast open, but done in what I would consider to be an old, I would say, kind of a Benjamin Button sort of where I'm old, but and then I'm you get young. Yeah, I'm going sure. back in time. But that was my way of kind of setting up what we're going to be talking about on this episode. Real quick, do you ever yeah. wonder, because sometimes, you know, the last episode, you said, you know, you did your welcome back and it was stretched across like 12 seconds. You just kept it going. And I was like, I wonder what, if you've never listened to us before, and this is like a thing you do, it's your it's your intro. I was like, I wonder what they thought. And like immediately, did they just hit stop and not continue? Or like, do you ever wonder that when you're doing this? Every once in a while, I'm thinking back to not only that, but when we used to do like the really wacky intros, just every once in a while. And I'm trying to remember the last time we did that. But uh, of course, it's always fun to do that. And I always see it as a... You know, obviously, for the avid listeners, it's like, oh, mixing it up. Cool. It's not the same. But then whenever you're listening for the first time, it's like, so does this give me any type of foreshadowing in terms of how wacky this podcast is going to be? We need to bring back our our sketches, our, yeah. our like skits for the beginning. Yeah. It's like 20-second opens, cold opens. They were fun. Those were a lot of fun. You And I'd actually say, I mean you pretty much wrote all of those and you you were the kind of the brains behind that and they were always a lot of fun great production I mean, value too wrote, wrote is a very loose term oh. it was like 2 minutes before we're going to hit record and i'm like what this might be funny <laughs> and then it was like 50-50 whether i accomplished that yeah maybe i can just do some day drinking and come up with all oh. your ideas you uh, speaking of, I'm actually this is totally off topic from what we normally talk about on pop culture stuff. But uh, have you tried the Boulevard? Uh, is it a not not a truly, but it's a uh, like a dizzy a, a something? It's is it actually, like a seltzer? Yeah. Let me pull it up here real quick because I literally just saw this and I is it, was. Is it Quirk? Quirk, that's it, yeah. Yeah, Sorry, we, we've I, had that, and no, I was not a big fan of that. I think we ended up throwing a lot of those away. <laughs> just did not like it. I can tell you, though, I've already just chugged a mango lemonade truly. I'm on my second mango, so I'm feeling loose. I got what? a third one ready to go. <laughs> because it's, it's like my new water. They're so good. <laughs> I can't stop drinking them. 
You know, I uh, have only had those a handful of times. And this this past weekend, that's the reason why I want to ask you. And I kept forgetting about it until just before uh, the opening minutes of this episode. And talking about the seltzers, the idea of what uh, Boulevard made, I'm like, oh, Quirk had it for the first time. Thought it was okay. I uh, wasn't like necessarily a huge fan, but I'm like, obviously, um, your your love for KC, I wondered if that would end up kind of affecting your love for uh, not only Boulevard, since they're from KC, but also the the seltzers that they make. Yeah, I mean, it was the uh, the big reason why I tried it out, and I just, I didn't like it. I didn't like any of the flavors, so not for me, but that stinks. there's a million other seltzers that I like, <laughs> and... It's just one of my favorite things. I don't drink much beer at this point anymore. It's usually seltzers, and I prefer the lemonade ones. Mm. Little fun facts for you guys. <laughs> well, for all of you film fans, for this episode of Quality Check Podcast, we are going to talk about M. Night Shyamalan's brand new film, Old. But before we get into that, we're going to talk about something that just came out earlier today before we started recording. And it is the brand new official trailer number two for Ghostbusters Afterlife. What are you doing here in Somerville anyway? We're completely broke. And our grandfather left us this creepy old farmhouse in the middle of nowhere. Your father wasn't much of a homemaker. He could hardly keep the power on. You're saying he left us nothing? Well, I wouldn't say nothing. You went with the station wagon? It's the only one that had an engine. First off, let's talk um, before diving into the loves hates. What's your background with the Ghostbusters franchise in terms of do you like the franchise or love it or dislike it? Yeah, big fan of it, I would say. And I even enjoyed the uh, 2016 movie that came out and people just ripped apart. This looks freaking awesome. Watched this preview like four times, three times now. <laughs> Watched. There's a uh, a really solid IGN put out this thing with Jason Reitman who directed this and his father did the original too. And he just breaks down the trailer basically for 15 minutes and just talks about what we can expect. And uh, it's super good. We'll put a link to it online if you haven't seen it yet. But I'm all in on this. Comes out November 11th. Outside of the new Spider-Man film, this is my most anticipated movie for the rest of the year. Oh, wow. Even above No Time to Die. Wow. Was it the fact with No Time to Die, because I know you're a huge James Bond fan, is that not above Ghostbusters just because with No Time to Die, it's like, well, how much more can we see before they start giving it away? And because they've pushed it back for so long? Yeah, no time to die. I don't know why I'm I'm getting soft on that other than I feel like I should have seen it a year and a half ago and I know mm. that's not the movie's fault. Yeah. But uh, at some point I'm just I'm getting annoyed with the delays and I'm glad we have movies currently, but who knows what's going to happen in the coming months, you know, with w- what's still going on in the country. Yeah. Um, I have a deep fear that a lot of movies could end up getting pushed back once again. We've talked about that outside of the recordings of uh, this podcast, but I think that, you know, from where 
where I live right now, where you used to live, um, and just this growing uh, Delta variant concern. And, uh, you know, I just, I, I really do worry for the rest of 2021. And more importantly, looking at the box office numbers, it's, it seemed like it was going in a positive direction. And now, especially the last couple of weeks, with Black Widow dropping almost 70%, same with F9, and uh, seeing Space Jam follow suit, it's just, it's really scary. Um, I digress from that. I will say that overall, Ghostbusters, I enjoyed the first two movies. I did, too, also enjoy the Paul, is it Feig? Feig? Paul Feig. Yeah, Paul Feig. Feig. I, I enjoyed uh, his take on it, on that Ghostbusters movie. I thought it kind of got a lot of hate, unwarranted hate. I'm not really sure why. I think it's just a lot of trolls out there. But um, overall, I thought it was a movie that was fun. I, ha- I w- walked out of that movie uh, having, I think, appreciated all the actresses and especially Chris Hemsworth even more uh, just for his not just acting, but just having fun with it. You could tell that they had fun with it. So this movie, Ghostbusters Afterlife, I have um, ha- have to say I haven't been that sold on it until this trailer, and that's why I have to give this a loves. I think this is going to be a lot of fun after seeing this trailer, and it's going to give ode to the previous, or the I, I should say the OG cast, but it also looks like it could end up giving this over to a younger generation. I don't know if I should get ahead of myself in terms of where this franchise is going, but I will say that I am looking forward to this movie more now that we've got this new trailer than I was before. I think I like the idea of the the legacy of the original two living on with a new generation, as you said. I guess my question is, do so people know what happened in New York all these years ago, and I think... Reitman brings this up in that video, but it's like the way people currently would find out about that is online video clips and stuff, but there is still a conspiracy theory about whether that stuff actually happened. It's also kind of social commentary in terms of just things that are happening right now in our world. And the idea of if it's not happening, not only just right in front of you, but do you truly believe everything that you're seeing, whether you know, it's in video because at one at one time it's like you could look at video and say, "Oh my goodness!" Like if 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 you could show it to me that way, then I'll believe it. But now it's like even seeing that, you end up, uh, you know, having a large population just doubting, like, "Was well, it real or not?" And for example, I watched a uh, an extended documentary on Slender Man and the videos that how those were made in terms of not just fabricating photos or making those make certain things stand out to add a creepiness to them, but also video. And then, and beyond that, if there's more video, more, more pieces of video and and photos out there that it's in hands of people who can fabricate that more than, you know, say five, 10 years ago, uh, we're going to see more things like that and more distrust as well. So it is a very interesting thing to incorporate in, in this story. I guess, and I don't want to compare this to like a 9-11, but if you were not alive when 9-11 happened, you have, would have no real connection to witnessing a terror attack unfold mm. in front of your eyes. So I guess this is along those same 
vein. <laughs> I hate to compare those two, but it is like if you didn't see 9-11 or you weren't around when that happened, your knowledge of it is through textbooks or yeah. old videos. And it's it's just one of those things of, wow, that that was something that doesn't happen all the time, but it did happen at one point. Mm-hmm. Doesn't mean it's not going to happen again. Yeah. And I, I love how they're, how Sony's doubling down on this father-son duo of how it's, he's passing off, the Reitman, Reitman Sr. is passing off the story and this franchise to his son, almost kind of like what may be happening in the story where we've got the older generation passing off this franchise to the younger generation, the kids that are featured in the trailer. So I'm curious to see if that is their not so subtle nod toward what to expect out of this movie. But I'm digging what I'm seeing, what we're seeing so far. I especially love, so it's a vignette that was released like maybe a month and a half ago, something like that, where Paul Rudd goes to the store and we end up seeing the little Stay Puffed marshmallows coming to life. That was fun. We know Bill Murray, Dan Aykroyd, Ernie Hudson, Sigourney Weaver and Annie Potts are in this. I just wonder how much, you know, they will actually make up this movie. Uh, I hope it's not glorified cameos. I hope they have a little meat to it. Mm-hmm. I don't think they're going to make up a ton in this movie, but the idea that they are willing to come back and play these characters again is is pretty awesome. Who are you most looking forward to seeing on screen again in their character's role? Uh, actually, probably Dan Aykroyd. He's the one that has seemed to want to drive forward a, a third film the most. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and Dan also is like a very interesting character in real life. And he believes in, like, he's a strong advocate for UFOs and and extraterrestrial life and, and ghosts and all that stuff. So he's kind of has a personal investment in the source material, which sounds weird to say, but I mean, <laughs> in this case, uh, he's kind of attached to it, which makes it even more appealing, I think. Yeah, the, the history of trying to get a third film made is interesting. Like what we talked about last week with Space Jam, the uh, I think, and hopefully this isn't the case, but the pre-production of actually getting the movie made was ultimately more interesting than the movie itself. Mm. I think this will pay off and the movie will be good as well. But I always like the steps that go into getting something finally made. And this one has just been like so wild <laughs> for like decades. They just could yeah. not get something going. I mean, that's, that's definitely something now that with MCU and Star Wars and Disney owning those two and releasing so many stories, are we getting inundated with that? Could there could that lead us to turn to other franchises like this more? I guess we'll see. But I do feel it's it's weird how I guess it's all about timing, but with Ghostbusters in this movie, I feel like it's time. It's time for another Ghostbusters, and I'm ready for it. So speaking of time, that's a good segue to go right into our next large, actually, it's going to be the majority of the discussion for this podcast episode, and that is talking about M. Night Shyamalan's brand new film, Old. Are we there yet? You said five minutes. Technically, it's been more than five minutes. Let's just all start slowing down. Wow. Do you believe I found this online? I guess it's not that secret a beast. Whoa. Who would leave 
believe this? From the hotel! They're so rusted! What's happening? Found stuff from the hotel in the sand. Movie, stat, time. This is written and directed, as you said, by 1M Knight Shyamalan. An absolute legend, an icon, a man that I was obsessed with, and I would say still am to a pretty large degree for a good chunk of my adult life. (laughs) (laughs) He's the man behind a number of what I don't know if I've ever mentioned this before. If you've never listened, I know I have. I'm just being stupid. (laughs) If you've never listened, though, I used to run a very popular M. Night Shyamalan mm-hmm. website. Okay. I'm, I, I should bring that back because I, I just, I, I'm living in the past. You should. I was, I was going to say before, before we continue, what, why not dive into that a little bit and talk about your history with M. Night and just not only your love for him, but also the amount of work that you've put into researching this man. I mean, it was just something that started like with a lot of people after The Sixth Sense came out. That's his third film. I don't know. It just carried on through the rest of his movies. And as a kid, a teen, one way to stay involved was just to mess around and start a website. I just thought that was cool. That was fun. And uh, I did that through, I think, Lady in the or The Happening, maybe. That stretch mm-hmm. from The Sixth Sense or, you know, Unbreakable to The Happening. And his, as we'll get into some of his film choices and the ultimate result of all those really kind of damaged his career. And I started losing interest, to be honest. Mm. And then obviously, you know, you're busy with school, went to college, had a life. And the website just kind of fell by the wayside. But uh, yeah, there's a good stretch where I was legit obsessed. He was my (laughs) ultimate favorite. He is still one of my favorites. If you don't know who Shyamalan is, and you should, he's behind a a number of well-known movies like The Sixth Sense, as I said, Unbreakable Signs. This is movie number 14, which is hard to believe. It is. Crazy, super crazy. It follows a group of vacationers who find themselves trapped and aging rapidly on a secluded beach. The premise is loosely based on a graphic novel called Sandcastle. Uh, the cast includes Gael Garcia Bernal, Rufus Sewell, Thomas and Mackenzie, Alex Wolf, and Vicky Creeps. And it honestly took me about 45 minutes of watching old to realize she's in phantom thread i was like who is this woman oh. you look so freaking familiar and this woman she's awesome she's amazing and then it dawned on me oh yeah pt anderson's phantom thread mm-hmm. this would not be a Shyamalan movie without dividing audience reactions in my opinion <laughs> i think he gets a lot of unwarranted hate yeah i feel like that started around unbreakable signs time period for whatever reason people just love to hate on this man Rot Tomatoes, this currently sits at 51% with 207 reviews. Uh, on the last podcast, we did our Rotten Tomatoes prediction. I said this would be very high, 86%. You said 72 so you win. 51% of Rotten Tomatoes. I don't mind that the number is middle of the road. I actually think that's amazing. I love when movies are divisive. And this is the number one in recent memory, I would argue that people either think this is like a full-blown comedy or a legit top-tier Shyamalan masterpiece. We'll get into what we think and we'll kind of hint, I guess right here when we start the one-sentence review for Old. I wrote like the options of a hotel buffet. Old's shifting tones make this one of Shyamalan's best. You know, I... 
have been trying to craft and sculpt my one sentence review because it leaves out ultimately how I, I really feel. But you can read between the lines when you know the things that I do like. Because my one sentence review is M. Night Shyamalan's extended and cinematic Twilight Zone bottle episode. It is very much Twilight Zone. I don't think that's a knock. Some people say it's a knock because they say how much of this premise can you squeeze out into 90 plus minutes? I think there's enough in here to warrant the runtime. Mm -hmm. And I mean, I, I really walked out of this movie super impressed. I've been mm -hmm. on a Shyamalan bender ever since, just <laughs> plowing over all of his old movies, just completely fascinated. And it's like falling in love with someone all over again. Mm -hmm. uh, it's funny that whenever you mention that about going and rewatching a lot of his movies, which are strangely enough on Peacock, and you can watch those for free without having to subscribe to Peacock. And I'm planning on doing that because when you mentioned that you were going to rewatch a lot of his movies, I felt the same way after watching this. And it's very interesting because with this movie, even though my one sense review did not give it away, The Twilight Zone is my favorite TV show of all time. I'm talking about the OG Rod Serling Twilight Zone. Uh, and then even if you end up having the spinoffs like Jordan Peele's Twilight Zone, that got canned after just two seasons. I will say, leading into what I said for my one sentence review, it made me walking out of this, not only was I super impressed, you saying that it was like you were falling in love with someone all over again. That's how I felt about M. Night and after watching this. But beyond that, it makes me want to see, well, now that it's over, would have I would have loved to have seen M. Night team up with Jordan Peele in which both of them collaborate on The Twilight Zone. How freaking amazing would that have been? Yeah. I mean, like, it goes down to even, and we'll say spoiler alert from here on out, and we're not going to get into ending the ending right now, but the ending is... Uh, I would say maybe a little more heavy-handed than the Twilight Zone, a good Twilight Zone episode. Yeah. But there is a philosophical element to this of, are they, like, is what's ultimately happening worth it? Mm -hmm. I found that to be the final, when we end up reaching a conversation on the beach, it was so beautiful, but yet heartbreaking. It, it transcends time, which mm -hmm. was summed up in a sentence and I thought it to like it actually was heartbreaking and, and it kind of made me tear up a little bit because I thought it was so poignant in terms of what was said and I know that's where I was reading a lot of divisiveness online where people were just like you know he's going too hard and I'm like I, I and I'm confused by this I really am I'm confused by what's causing people to get so pissy about it the thing is, we saw this with the Twilight Zone episode or episodes, the recent Twilight Zone, Jordan Peele's on CBS All Access. Well, it used to be CBS All Access. Now it's Paramount Plus. But for the Twilight Zone, the new Twilight Zone that was released, there were some episodes that if this were an episode, I guarantee you this would be number one. Guarantee you. This would be the most talked about episode. It would have been hailed as a masterpiece. And I 
don't understand why this movie isn't being hailed as the year's number one horror masterpiece or thriller masterpiece. There are elements in this that I could see an unruly crowd laughing and ruining it for people. Mm. I didn't have that. I thought my crowd was into it. I think there are a number of emotional beats by the end of this film when people have aged basically to their final moments. And the core story of this is a man and wife and their marriage is struggling. That's mm-hmm. like a common theme in a lot of Shyamalan films. And this one ends with, you know, they're both reached basically the end of their life. And Gael's character is like, I don't even remember what we were fighting about. Like it doesn't mm-hmm. even matter anymore. And it's those small moments by the end of this film. Like you said, I was emotional. I was so invested and it just, a lot of this movie stuck with me. Mm-hmm. I would say a lot of the dialogue, a lot of the shots, and also just some of the the subtle acting in this as well. As I said, depending on who you talk to, this movie is being knocked around a little bit for its shifting tones. I keep hearing mm-hmm. that. It's a little bit horror. It's got that family drama. It's, it's existential dread. Yeah. I love two things in movies. I've talked about this before. I like ambitious movies, even if the movie doesn't hit the mark. I'm not saying this is ambitious, but it's along those lines. I love movies that span time, as you said. I'm 35 years old. I'm argue that I, I'll argue that I'm still fairly young in the grand scheme of things. But at this point in my life, I, it's just impossible not to reflect on my 35 years and you know look ahead to the time that I have left. Mm-hmm. Assuming I'm living to 80, that's I have about I'm halfway through, and it's just like <laughs> it blows your mind when you really yeah. think about it. And the secluded beach, what happens on it just amplifies all of those feelings that you have because time moves so fast that you're aging and dying in hours instead of years. And like I said, this it's just like an idea I couldn't shake. I couldn't get it out of my head. I love the idea too. that, And it's touched on briefly in the film by the end of it. And it's, let's say this happens to you. It's how do you come to terms with what's going on? It's like, do you fight to survive or do you accept your fate and just let it happen? Mm-hmm. And I I was watching this movie going, I don't know what I would do. I think at some point I would just stop. I would accept what's going to happen and I would just enjoy the day that I had mm-hmm. on this beautiful beach. Let my eyesight go even further south than it already is. I'll go deaf. <laughs> I'll go deaf. I, I just think it's interesting that in this movie and in our real lives, everyone around us is so different, but we're all on this path that always ends in death. Like our idol, Rocky Balboa says, time takes everybody out. It's undefeated. <laughs> yeah. By the end of it all, we're all going to die. You know, mm-hmm. Talking about ideas on this, I will use that to kind of get right into it because I think the, and originally I was going to save this for the last, but I think what really works for me is the story. Uh, and I'll, I'll say that, of course, I'm going with an alliteration with it because th- I broke it down into three big things that I really like. The story for me is what holds up first and foremost in terms of the idea. And I didn't, while watching this, and you've said it so far twice now about the existential dread and the idea of, oh my goodness, this is dark, this is heavy. I didn't get that while watching it, but my a lot of story, a lot of the stories that I like or I should say love deal with that dread, which is 
kind of weird to think about. Maybe I've got a problem. <laughs> but <laughs> I mean, the idea, John Carpenter after, often deals with that. You look at the uh, Prince of Darkness, you look at They Live, uh, Escape from LA and New York, and uh, A Solemn Precinct 13. A lot of those movies have this existential dread in terms of if we're not careful, we are going to be the bane of our own existence. That kind of idea of we can make things better, but yet there's also, even though there's this muck that we're living in, there's so much of it at times, and it's almost like this heavy fog that we're navigating, there's a way we can get through it or we won't. And I mean, it's really up to us. So that I think, and 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 beyond that too, so I use John Carpenter as an example. And then I also end up using, um, you could end up saying uh, some other like sci-fi stories as well that inspire or have inspired M. Night uh, in looking at, say, Rod Serling with The Twilight Zone. There were a lot of those episodes that dealt with that. And it's a, will you succumb to your own issues and what's tearing you apart? Will you allow that to continue to tear you apart? Just like Rufus's um, uh, mental health issue, which I thought was a very fascinating way of them looking at a character with mental illness. And it it's just like tearing literally everyone apart. And then at the end of the movie where they're talking about, should we separate those with a mental versus physical illness? I found that to be fascinating because it also looks at, well, what is being done um, in our lives and personal lives, professionally, and and all those ways of like helping those with, um, you know, mental illnesses. And so I think that within that, if we dive beyond the story, we get, that's where we start tearing back the layers in terms of what each character brings, which I found to be so fascinating and we can, I think, examine this story in so many different angles and, and see what M. Night was trying to say with this. And I, while watching this movie, I did not find it to be like, um, as some had described, just so terrible, like it made them feel bad. I didn't feel that way. Like I, I, I felt like it, at a point where it was heartbreaking and I felt that dread but that's what made that's I think that's what how M Night makes a great movie. It builds on tension and it really helps us in I think better understanding ourselves if we're able to reflect in this way. So the story's number one. The second thing is the shots. I think it's so freaking beautiful. I think yeah. M Night here is using the camera in ways we haven't seen him use it in a long time. I mean, I would I would argue this at times doesn't even feel like an M Night film. Mm-hmm. He he will shoot scenes in a way that it was we were like on a wave. We would move yeah from one portion of the beach to the next, and then back. And especially you brought up that conversation between the two main characters as they were sitting together, the entire family, and it's right before right before the husband and wife or the mother and father the two main characters before they die and they just literally, you know, fall over of old age and, and die on the beach. And I found that, uh, that part, not just that scene, but the entire setting of this beach to be so fascinating because it's playing on this idea of where in the world do you go 
that would attract so many people that you would be able to live out some of the best moments of your life, but it would also end up being some of the worst moments of your life. Meaning if like, for example, the character who, uh, and I forget her name, but she's the uh, young girl who gets pregnant and she's the, the girl who goes into detail about, we missed so many important moments in our lives from prom and being able to witness things out in the world yeah, while you're being on this beach and it's a gorgeous view and you're able to soak up some great rays and enjoy what you originally thought would just be a couple of hours of your life ends up being the last final hours of your life. And it's all sped up. I found that to be so fascinating. And I think removing M. Night from the city and putting him on the beach in this way, it also builds on this idea of kind of what we're living in right now with the pandemic where at times it feels like we're on this isolated island and, you know, diving into the physical location. It may look great, but is it really all that great? And I just, there's so much, I think, to love about this movie, but those are the three big things. So the bad. Yeah. I really don't have a lot. I will say the coral savior reveal mm-hmm. that's, done through the boy's message at the beginning of the film is a bit convenient. The entire time I'm like thinking, how are these final two characters going to get out of here? We have to have someone. You can't end with everyone just dying. Even if the final twist is revealed, like why it happened. But it didn't kill the overall movie for me. Mm -hmm. I would say that's probably my biggest complaint. There's a lot of rewatchability with this movie. And I... It's like maybe halfway through the movie, I wanted to start watching it again. And and there were certain things that I um, I was starting to pinpoint and kind of like drop markers on and saying, I want to return to this and see how other characters were handling this and the settings and just see what was going on in the background and why M. Night shot a scene the way that he did. But two choices that I think he made that led into the bad. I will have to say at first, I'm like, I don't know. I don't know how I feel about this, but it's the pregnancy because it's like, so you're telling me like two, six year olds were just banging. And I'm saying that because when it happened, I'm like, wait, hold, hold on a second. Did, um, I know we see that in the trailer, but it all just kind of happened so quickly. And so one element is obviously I know that the kids are aging at a rapid pace. And I love the fact that they have food and M night literally in the movie M night (laughs) playing the hotel driver drops off the food and getting a lot of screen time. I love it. He's in like every one of his movies, you know, that's his (laughs) Hitchcock deal, but a lot of M night in this. And I, I freaking love it. Honestly, I have to say this is my favorite role of his so far. And he gives himself a big part to just like chew on. And I, I love it. Like I, I want more of that because it was so good. But with this, um, having um, the, like the pregnancy, the way that it goes down, it was interesting because in my mind, I'm like, huh, like think, and th- this is weird, but like I was thinking back or trying to think back. I'm like, well, when was, 
and this is going to take a really weird turn, but when was it that I started first thinking about things that was like in a sexual way? But was that influenced by what I was seeing on TV and in movies? And was it also influenced by like having older cousins, you know, or, or family members or just hearing family members who may be making a sexual joke or so, you know, like, so all that is like what influenced me growing up in terms of understanding this world that we live in and how to take use of, or, you know, what, what to do and, and how, you know, basically basic human anatomy. So, through that, though, with the pregnancy, I, I started like, it made me reflect and think back on that. But it's like, would that be something that would happen in this setting? Is this so I don't know, I, I really want to rewatch it to kind of break that down a little bit more. But in the moment, I'm like, hmm, I just made me like, kind of cause, you know, pause a little bit, because I know the father on one scene, he's like, well, <laughs> he's like, well, some what you did uh, it could just happen once. <laughs> yeah. Well, the, the kid questions, I, I thought you had to do it like 10 times. Yeah. And, so I was like, man, what are, what are the eight, what are their mental ages right now when this happened? Yeah. Because I mean, we see them like at that where hormones are going crazy at like 16, 17. So makes sense where, you know, they age up to about that, but then, um, it's, and, and I think shortly after that, maybe 20 minutes later, we end up seeing Mackenzie's character. She walks out into the ocean and she's like, I'm a, I'm a grown woman now. I have to start making these decisions. I found that to be pretty powerful in terms of she was just a kid not long ago. And now she's grown. And it's like, is her brain developing in a way that is totally different? Or is it just... The physical appearances it's got to be the brain but like in what way so so many things to think about for that the second and i i will say this is um the the other alliteration as well i had to say pacing problems there were some moments where it is a little more jarring than others uh for for the scenes to play out i think it's also to add to the tension to add to that uh suspense but also to make it feel chaotic and I was okay with that for the most part. There were just a few scenes where it seemed to differ and change a little bit, just enough for me to once again kind of question, well, what, you know, I, I'm curious to rewatch this and see M. Night's choices, knowing where the story goes. But leading up to that, it just, it was a little jarring at times. I've got a letter grade and I've also got a, uh, um, out of five as well so i could do both i mean at the when this wrapped up i initially gave it a four out of five it could be bumped up to four and a half i will say right now mine is at four and a half this is in fitting in Shyamalan's filmography high mid low tier is this uh this up there for you the very top near the top yeah i gotta say this is near the top this could be don't this is going to be controversial. This could be my favorite Shyamalan movie. Oh my goodness. It's yeah. no unbreakable for me. It's no sixth sense. It's now, I could argue this is better than signs. I have rewatched signs this past weekend. Like I said, I've been on a Shyamalan bender <laughs> and there are moments in, I don't remember tearing up in that movie. There's three moments in recently watching that, you know, a couple days ago that I actually had tears in my eyes. Mm. 
and it's when he says goodbye to his wife, which since the last time I watched this movie, I've gotten married. So that hits a little harder. And then, um, spoiler alert, we're soon going to start trying for a child. And there are two sections in the movie where, where Mel Gibson talks to each of his kids and explains, this is what happened when you were born. Mm. And I got to thinking about, you know, my future kids and that hit so hard. Mm-hmm. And, um, that's one thing I love about Shyamalan movies is he could scare you. He can make you laugh and he can bring this emotional, just like these small emotional beats that his films, I think he said with signs with the, with the stories about the kids, he's, he based that off his own children, the stories mm. that that's what happened when they were born. He just implemented that into a script. Wow. So I, that's why I say I go back to that beach scene uh, at the end of old where the mom and dad pass away. And it's just like the ultimate thing is life's too short to be fighting. I think, and that, there's something to me about this movie that seems timeless. It hit all the right notes for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it did for me too. And I, I agree with uh, everything you said. I will say there's just something about this movie. And, I, you know, even looking back on it, it's like, maybe I need to rewatch this, but I didn't get this feeling that I was so overwhelmed with dread that it's hard to rewatch this movie. Um, I mean, I, I didn't get that feeling. Like, if you watch something like Children of Men, that seems pretty freaking heavy. Um, yeah. But, like, this didn't seem like that to me. I understand why people were unsatisfied when they left this film. And it got me thinking about Shyamalan's filmography. And I had mentioned earlier, you know, he hit the stratosphere with the sixth sense and then cratered super hard with movies like after earth and the last airbender. And in recent years, we we've talked about how Quentin Tarantino has created this whole thing about wanting to end his career with movie number 10, because his idea is he wants to quit at the top of his game. And Shyamalan has done so many movies that, like we said, are divisive. They split people's opinions. You could say with 14 films, half are good, half are bad, give or take. And I get what Tarantino is saying about no, but like no filmmaker, in my opinion, bats a thousand. Mm-hmm. No, um, yeah, no way. It's just, it's impossible to do. So I don't fully understand what he's doing. And I was just thinking, what if I was making movies? Uh, what kind of career would I want to have when I finally said, you know, this is it, I'm done. Would you rather have something like Tarantino where he believes he has 10 really good movies or would you ha- rather have something like Shyamalan's where it varies so wildly in quality? And this might sound crazy. I think I would actually have Shyamalan's. I think his filmography, because of the weird ups and downs that it's taken <laughs> yeah. is actually more interesting. Yeah. I, I think a lot, some of Tarantino's movies you could argue are not that good, mm-hmm. um, but the bulk of them are well-received. You know, when you first text me about this, it really got me thinking and it got me thinking more about how I view stories, what I appreciate more than like say for example if we compare these two filmmakers and their filmography and the type of stories that they've told both of them are writers and directors i know obviously there are there are various directors out there who that's it and that's all they do they direct they won't write occasionally you know they'll pick that they may write a script here or there but um i think looking at this 
for Tarantino, he is, even though, like you said, I, I don't believe that there are, that any director, no matter, you know, whom you are, you're, you're not going to have a perfect career, no matter what it, what it is that you're doing. And with Tarantino looking at his films, I'll just say, I wasn't a huge fan of Django. Um, whenever that came out, I, I, I watched it once, but I have wanted to return to it. Um, it's not like I hated it, but at the same time, there are movies like that in which I'm like, yeah, it was, you know, um, Death Proof is another one that I'm like, I mean, I, I, I don't know if I really want to return to it anytime soon. I love Kurt Russell. Yeah. I, I, you know, so there are elements to it that I want to return to for those movies. Um, but looking at that overall, I think the amount of work, the production, all that stuff, I'm very in, interested in Tarantino and what he's done, what he's been able to do and the type of impact he's had on pop culture. But looking at Shyamalan and especially after a movie like Old, for myself, if I were to put myself in the shoes of either of those filmmakers and say, which career would I be more proud of? And that's really tough because obviously with Tarantino, you look at that and it's like, well, are his movies good because he's praised by so many critics and, and that pop culture pantheon of just so many praising his work in general. Um, what would really keep Shyamalan from really being on working on that same level. And I think with Shyamalan, he's just telling different stories, but it made me look deeper into what it is that I find interesting and makes up for a good story. Shyamalan dives into the human psyche, I think a little deeper that goes to the origins of stories that I think I appreciate more, such as why I liked old so much. It go, it really reaches back into that Twilight Zone way of telling a story. And it looks at how so many different people um, are living their lives. Because at the end of old, I, I would say that even though there, there's some nitpicks I have, like say the kids saying and talking a, a certain way, it doesn't really quite sound like how kids would, would what they would say. That's like his thing. It is, yeah. For whatever it, reason. His dialogue at times can be clunky. Yeah, and and that's almost like, in, in looking at that, I, I can overlook that part. But um, still, though, a lot of the characters seem like their own unique characters. And I have to say, which one would I rather have? Which filmography? And at first, I thought, oh, that's a given. It would be Tarantino because of the praise that you would end up getting for the films, but also knowing that, you know, for example, the first from Reservoir Dogs up to Kill Bill, it was very much so the gangster genre. That's, he basically, and I want to say it was on Joe Rogan's podcast where um, Tarantino basically made a comment, paraphrasing him here, but that he took what Scorsese did and he did it in the next generation's footsteps. And, and, showing that kind of story. Those films, the gangster films, I've always loved. And I love watching them play out on screen. But which one would I rather want to, like, which story would I rather say? Which story do I think would last longer? And I would have to say Shyamalan's because I think you are trying to make a statement that 
whatever it is you're trying to say at the end of the day, it's more psychological, it's more cerebral. And it's a an idea of how is it that we live our lives? And it's, I think to me, more fascinating. I think both of them have a very interesting filmography and in, in history. Um, but at the end of the day, that's my long-winded answer to, to agreeing with you that honestly, if I, if I could choose between the two, I would probably, and I'll just go ahead and say, not just probably, but I'll go with Shyamalan. I would choose Shyamalan. And it's, it's not a knock on Tarantino because I think he does a lot of good things. Yeah. I think he's made a lot of good movies. I think Shyamalan's movies are easier to digest in a lot of ways, which makes uh, you more you're more likely to sit down and watch one of his movies. And then, like I said, I just think it's interesting the, the way his career has bounced around up and down. I kind of look at movie filmographies at this point in my life like I do albums that maybe the last Foo Fighters album didn't work for me and maybe it worked for you and hopefully their next one does work for me. Mm-hmm. It's not, it doesn't make me hate the band. It doesn't tarnish anything that they made before. It just, it's not something I liked. Yeah. And I'm not saying that about the last one. I'm just using that as an example. So I find that interesting that you can make something as bad as the last airbender, which I watched for the first time a couple of days ago. And it's truly a putrid film, but then you can do something <laughs> so well done, like unbreakable or mm-hmm. old. I wish we knew what was coming next. Cause there's been no word yet. Well, what movie it, number 15 is, well, is but, it supposed to be a labor of love? The story about the man traveling across country, because I, I, I want to say I was listening to an interview with him recently. And he had mentioned that there is this story that he was very interested, and I don't know if it, I, I think it's fictional, but it's basically this man, I don't know if his wife is dying or dead, but it's where he travels, he basically pulls a Forrest Gump, but instead of running, he walks across the country. Mm-hmm. Um, and then when, the t- when I just Googled it, the first thing about it was January 19th, 2014, and it was involved Bruce Willis. Well, that's, and, uh, and maybe that is an old project, but I found that to be interesting. And like you said, kind of this idea of what Shyamalan is doing at this stage of his career, you know, looking back more on kind of like what Marty Scorsese has done with making movies like Silence and other uh, films like The Irishman looking back on life. So I wonder if Shyamalan, if we're going to see more of like old out of his upcoming uh, films. So this is, this is, I just Googled it and it says um, labor of love was one of the very first screenplays night M night wrote and sold. It never got made. And because Knight was quite new to the filmmaking business, that was the reason apparently. And then obviously he does these big movies and uh, it was sold to another studio, but not Disney. So the script has sat and collected dust. Oh. Don't know if this is true, but that's interesting. If this is something he wrote long ago. So I wonder if there's a way that even though it's sold, if he's able to get that back and make that'd be interesting. What if Bruce is in it? Because we talk, we like to text about <laughs> getting on, you know, the VOD stores and being like, "There's literally a new Bruce Willis movie like every two weeks," 
And it got me thinking, rewatching Glass, like we are literally only like two years removed from Bruce Willis starring in, in M- a highly anticipated M. Night Shyamalan movie. And he is in like 14 VO, straight to VOD movies every <laughs> yeah, single yeah. year at this point. <laughs> it's like, what what happened to this dude's career? So who knows if they would reteam? It is interesting rewatching Glass. You know, Bruce Willis's character is the central focus of the first film. The second film split. We don't know to the very end that it's part of the Unbreakable universe. And then we get the closer with Glass. But there's a huge section in the middle of that film where Willis just like vanishes. And it's Mm. basically Sam Jackson and James McAvoy. Like they're the focus. So Mm -hmm. it's just, yeah, I don't know. It's a little weird movie. I don't know what's going on with Bruce Willis now. (laughs) 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 This guy needs to do like one final diehard film, I think. Like I, but hey. I've heard a million times that he's like the worst person to deal with. I have no idea if that's true. But if M. Night loves him, can tolerate him, maybe they can do a movie and get him back on track. And if if M. Night's able to work with them too, you know, because there's so much of what Willis, apparently he's just unworkable with so many people. (laughs) I mean, I would like Shyamalan to get back in. And his, his career really derailed when he was just like turning his back on what made him famous. Yeah, I don't know if that was an ego thing, um, but it was, he was just like, I'm not doing thrillers and twist endings anymore. I'm going to do what I want. Yeah, It didn't work out, and he kind of had to reinvent his films and finance his films, starting with The Visit, which was something I, I would argue is his most underrated movie. So it's, in, I, it's interesting to see what he will do next because he's been back in this thriller mode irritates me um in in a in a way that just drives me nuts but for those to crap on Shyamalan or at least his movies it's like I know you said earlier it's like ambition and I think with Shyamalan there's ambition there he still has it he's holding on to that and I think no matter what he does next he's one of those filmmakers that is going to try to um to bring that and I love that I I can't wait for it and it um, returning to what you said earlier, it kind of makes me fall in love with Shyamalan all over again. I mean, just think this movie doesn't have, it's, it's got actors that you recognize, but there's no huge name in it. And it's yeah. basically sold still off of his name, which has been so up and down in the past decade plus. Mm-hmm. And there's not a lot of filmmakers that you can just say, this is the new M night film. Yeah. And it could not have anybody massive starring in the film, but you're selling something because it's with, you know, with his name. I think over time, this will be a movie that will go up and the ratings. And I, I think there's enough with what, you know, not only the box office, but over time, I think this will, will be regarded as one of M Knight's uh, better films. And, it's it's something that I think, for me at least, gives me hope that there are some stories out there to be told that, you know, it, it, this just comes at such a great time. And I'm thoroughly, I'm not going to say surprised, but I am uh, pleasantly, uh, I, I don't know, I just appreciate this. And I, whatever Shyamalan comes out with next, I'm ready for it. Um there were, uh, there's one major question I did have for you. I know the pharmaceutical aspect of old, 
was like a kind of a point of contention. And this movie old ends what I think it there it had like three different endings. Do you think it should have ended it should have picked one of those endings and stuck with that rather than showing us the three different things that happened? What were the three? So we get the pharmaceutical thing. Yeah, so we... We get the escape. Yeah, so we we see the first off, Shyamalan's character drives away. We get the pharmaceutical. Then we get the escape. And then we get them returning to the hotel and giving the police officer the... Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's right. Because he's just... Yeah, because we're introduced to the child who just goes yeah. around asking what everyone does. Uh, no, I like it. I, you have to have a closure. I, you just can't have people die. Yeah. I just... I don't think you could have them die and then we go to the pharmaceutical thing because then they're they're getting away with it. Mm-hmm. And the thing is, the viewer, I guess, can decide whether what they're doing is ethical or not. I mean, obviously, they're killing people. <laughs> <laughs> but you could say, in the, in, in the grand scheme of things, we're doing this because we're trying to help mankind, which is always an interesting thing. Um, no, I mean, I was, I was okay with that. I'll say I walked away mixed at the whole pharmaceutical thing. And then the more I thought about it, it goes back to that twilight zone of yep. of we're having these big ideas, we're yeah. having these big ideas, and we're gonna we're gonna make you think a little bit. It's a horror film; it's got all these different things in it, but we're gonna make you think of uh, something just overlooking the overall story. Like, why is this happening? And then, is it right or wrong? I'll, I'll say whenever that is revealed at first, and it's a pharmaceutical, because we get flashes of. M. Night on the hillside looking at them and watching them. And as soon as we see the first one, I'm like, that's M. Night. That's his freaking character up there just observing them. And eating I love freaking this. eating a sandwich, just watching them, <laughs> watching them wither away. I wonder how much he got paid. When, like, what does he get paid? And how do you stumble on that job? Well, also, I one thing that I love in the very beginning, it made me laugh so much in the theater. And I wasn't like laughing at the movie, but I'm laughing because it's one of the. <laughs> Uh, makes me lull just uh, thinking about it. But it's when the characters are like, we've got, you know, an elderly lady and a mother. <laughs> yeah, here with you want to help him? <laughs> yeah. And he's like, no, 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 just keep going. Keep walking. You're good. You're good. I got to get back to the hotel. It made me laugh so much that his character is just like, yeah, go off and die. <laughs> yeah, you know, you know, he's involved because he won't participate. And then it's, it's like, why? Yeah. And I was honestly worried we would not get an answer. And then, Pretty early on, one of the characters is like, hey, somebody's watching us. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, okay, what is this going to be? Right. Um, yeah. And it was yeah. that part, that part seems so much like lost without getting oh, in. The lost vibes were off the charts in a lot of ways. And if anybody knows me, they know that I was and still am a huge diehard lost fan, just mm-hmm. absolute fanatic. So those lost vibes, oh my goodness, I, I loved it. And yeah, it, I mean, that was almost, it was cool because it was like Shyamalan gave Ode to Lost and then also Twilight Zone. Now, but the the one thing too that uh, I didn't realize was as big of a negative, but it was a pharmaceutical thing. I didn't realize that until after walking out of the theater because I love that. I'm like, this is so classic Twilight Zone. This is so much like what would happen in a Twilight Zone episode where it's revealed there's something bigger going on and you can't really say there's the puppeteers that it is revealed those controlling the strings, but rather they're 
profiting or benefiting from this. And yeah. they're using this as like they're observing, which I love that idea. It's like, well, if you're doing good, but you're at the same time sacrificing lives, how much good are you doing? So there's that whole, you know, philosophical debate. But then on top of that, you end up having this, uh, you know, like the return, the complete circle. It, we're completing the circle where we end up seeing Alex Wolf's character, uh, all grown up now, approaching the little boy who saved them, who, you know, had written the, the, the note, uh, the spy note, um, to help them escape and things like that, in which we have them reconnect. And after, you know, the boy... Is it's revealed that his uncle lied to him? This and that. There are a lot of things that that had all happened, and I felt like that's where the pacing, where it cuts off at times. I'm like, oh, that's a, it's a little off, but I'm I'm okay with that because it was the piece of the puzzle that it kept going out, and it was as you said earlier, maybe a little heavy-handed in terms of laying it on thick there at the end. But I wouldn't say it, it brought it down for me in any ways. But then reading about the negative things, I was really surprised to see that apparently the pharmaceutical thing was at the top of the list for the complaints. I mean, I like that we don't get an explanation for why the, uh, the, the beach does what it does. That's mm -hmm. a very lost thing of we have people that discover the island or this beach and they in turn use like you said like how do we capitalize on this so i mean i like that there's a vagueness to it and i like that there's a conclusion with what's happening with this specific group of people mm -hmm. and the fact that it just was happening over <laughs> and over and over again that's a very lost thing of just it's a cycle and if we don't get what we want we're going to bring more people in and they're mm -hmm. going to die but we're going to progress hopefully and get whatever it is we're trying to get and the other thing too is with the pharmaceutical angle is you have them getting there and they're giving them the drinks because I'm like, as soon as they got off the bus, I'm like, oh, that's really cool. They're getting drinks and it's like a, uh, it's already concocted based on their likes. I'm like, oh, that's cool. Like, <laughs> take me to that resort, you know? But at the same time, I found that to be really fascinating because of course, they're able to slip it into something like that, and you would be totally unsuspecting. And I freaking love that element. Like, it was, once again, such a timeless thing that you could have that part of the story introduced in the 50s or currently, and I still think you'd be able to say, hey, that you could pull that off. And 50 years from now, I think you're able to look back and say, this is something that could happen now. So in 2070 weird to say that number, but 2071, you're able to look and say, I could see the story happening now. That is unless we lose all of our beaches and coral, but by that point, <laughs> <laughs> we'll be withered away just like all of these characters. Um, but yeah, those, that was my final thought. I wanted to ask you more about the ending and what your thoughts were, and if that like added to the experience or took away a little bit. Well, do you think if you, you end up on this island that I've talked about, you know, how I think I would just be at peace and not try to fight it. Would mm -hmm. you, would you be the one scaling the rocks or trying to, <laughs> trying to go after the swim because you once were on the swim team or what would you do? Man, I know swimming, as soon as they were talking about swimming, I'm like, well, I'd be dead. Like I would, <laughs> I would go out there for a little what, like I would not get out. I would not reach, um, maybe, but like the fifth break. And then I would like 
drown. I, I'm, I mean, okay, I'm an okay swimmer, but I there's yeah. no way that I could do that. I guess my thing would be like, if we're seeing all the remains of these old people, you know, their old phones and glasses, mm-hmm. surely one of these idiots tried swimming out there. <laughs> it obviously didn't work, so I'm not going to do that. Yeah. I would let other people try and see what happens. <laughs> yeah, I, you know, that's interesting because I think after a while, it would definitely be... Um, Especially if you think about it, if you're there with your family and you're there for such a short period of time. Um, the other thing is that, and it, it, it's, and this is kind of getting more serious, but it's like, well, how would your family members, you know, get older and what would be some of the issues that they're facing mm-hmm. and dealing with? And it's would so that fast? And would it be tough to deal with that and watch? Like, would that drive you crazy? Would well, that- that's that's what would push you to do something in terms of finding a way out. Because yeah, if you're with your mom and dad, they're in their early 60s. You know, the clock is mm-hmm. really ticking for them. So it's you're in desperation mode, and that would probably have you doing some um, ill-advised things because you, more than anything, are trying to save their lives. Yeah, I don't know. I love this movie. I want to go see it again. Yeah, I, I actually, now that we're talking about it more, I, I kind of want to see Showtimes after finishing this recording because I'm ready for round two. Got to use that Regal Pass. Yeah. Speaking of, you saw this set of Regal, right? Absolutely. We've been going to Regal nonstop. And did you get the M9 introduction at the very beginning of this? We, oh, yeah. It was, a, it was basically personalized directly to me. That's how I felt. I was like, oh my gosh, he's talking directly to me. And like John Krasinski, he thanked me for coming. And I appreciate that. That should be literally mandatory from here on out. I you love thanking that. me for paying to watch your movie. Mm-hmm. Thank I you. Dig it. I, I really like that. Now we just need to get Bruce Willis to thank us for coming out and paying money <laughs> to see one of his movies. <laughs> he's at the beginning of the straight to VOD films. <laughs> Because I thank you for um, paying $7 so I can keep my mansion. (laughs) Oh, highly recommended. I would say this is uh, my favorite thing that's come out since movies have been back. Mm -hmm. Um, And yeah, we'll see where we go from here. I'll be honest. This may be my favorite movie of the year so far. Well, there's only been like 12 movies. so Yeah, it's a good point. (laughs) Not... uh, I'm not going to say that's uh, super impressive, but yeah, this is top tier Shyamalan. I dig it. Well, um, we're, did you have any questions, anything else about this movie before we end up wrapping this up? Because I think there's a lot to talk about with this overall. Oh man, there's so much to talk about. No, I think we should probably stop. <laughs> okay. Just, I got to get back on that Shyamalan vendor. I, I need to start that vendor because I know as soon as you said that you were doing that, it made me want to. So I'm going to be right behind you on that. <laughs> All right, film fans. Well, thanks for joining us on this episode of Quality Check Podcast. And, and until next time, keep watching. Keep watching.